welcome to episode three of Mise-en-Scene Weekly. This is your host, Jonathan Lee and Stephen Rankin. Hello, hello. A little bit, little bit of an upgrade here, uh, slightly. You know, had to mail back previous mics and surely this will work better. <laughs> I see what you did there again. Thank, thank you guys for coming. This has been a, a very fun endeavor, uh, even though... Allegedly, uh, after the third episode, 90% of podcasts fold. So I just want to take the time to say thank you, and I'm quitting. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. So we're this done. This is it. We're done. We now, John, jo- Jonathan, we have, we, we, have, we, have a bit, we have a big talk that we prepared today, uh, a big showdown, I don't if you will. Have it. it's, it's a submarine showdown, and I that's will. Right. I will take your, your submarine and, and plus one you. So this episode, episode three, we have defined or labeled as Submarine Showdown. And again, we're mise-en-scene weekly. Uh, you can follow us on all social media platforms, I think, outside of Facebook. But with that said, if you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, you think Steve's hair needs a little trim. I don't know the last time he went to Barber, but feel free to have as many negative or positive comments that you so choose, which would, uh, you know, helps us get better. I think there. it's looking pretty good. It's 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 at a good length right now. My daughter, I think, in not limited words, basically said to my hair, uh, "Your hair is very pointy." <laughs> my hair? My hair? Oh, your hair. You you have very little hair. I mean, you have hair, but yeah. it's short. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a one guard if 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 you so desire to to understand the complexity or of my hair. Gotcha. So, submarine showdown. And what are we going to discuss this week? So we had this idea. We, we have a variety of topics that we want to discuss uh, week over week, and we pretty much have too many to discuss and uh, not enough time to actually take six hours in our very busy weeks, actually with other proper jobs. But with that said, I am very excited about this because this topic is probably the most difficult one we've had so far, even though we've only had three. It's called Submarine Showdown, and we're pitting, of course, two movies against each other, Crimson Tide versus The Hunt for the Red October. And while we're at it, we, and the way we define movies, or how we choose movies, I should say, we send it to my wife, who then uh, tells us what movie has been chosen by each of us. And in this week's episode, we chose the same movie. Yeah, so, it was it was a it was a, a quick. I sent it right away. I knew which submarine movie I wanted to to, to have you talk about, and uh, it was the same one. So we had to, we had to we had to pivot. So as somebody who I would say, uh, I get excited from Tony for Tony Scott, um, but with that said, I I wanted Crimson Tide because I had just seen pretty much all sub movies last year, and I thought they you know. Uh, they're a, a very exciting movie resource to talk about. So I want to come to type, but with that said, I why like- is the submarine movie such a good, uh, a good, so it's, good theme, it's a good topic. Suspenseful. It's inherently right. suspenseful. Like every moment of anytime you have an out, like in the water scene, whether it's a hundred feet underwater, 1200 feet underwater, anytime there is a scene where a sub is moving, like, or just stationary for that matter. It's suspenseful. It's and a pressure like, cooker. Yeah. What's going to happen now? And I was like, I, I don't, I, that's what I'm thinking to myself. And of course the answer is I have no idea. Inherently suspenseful. And I got a quick, I got a question for you. Yeah. 
What your- if if you if you had to you know take a a year long quest in a submarine a, a deep dive and and stay there for a year what's what's the one thing that you would bring to kind of keep you keep yeah, you sane yeah that's a, that's a that's a good question and I probably would be bring a large supply of wasabi peas seems like it seems like wasabi peas would be a very difficult thing to procure. Just add the mix of, of of all the weird smells that would go on in a submarine, especially in these two movies. A lot of cigarette smoke, for sure. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I had this for later. Is it a requirement for sub-movies? Because we both watch these movies. Is it a requirement for sub submarine movies to have just sweaty men? Sweaty humans, generally? Like, I just feel like every sub-movie, it's like... You're signing up for this movie. You're going to get paid ten million dollars, and you have to sweat a lot. Like, do you There's sweat no, a lot? Or are, you, just, are you are you a non-sweater? And like, nah, that's not going to work. We need you to sweat. Well, I feel like I'm I'm not that well versed in the mechanics of a submarine, but I don't think they have a really great HVAC system. Uh, they do actually. Where you are wrong. I looked this up. Oh, actually. oh they yeah. do. Okay, it's fantastic. They're still sweating. It's still, it's all the body heat. That's what it is. So. It would be actually very cold. Uh, allegedly, I don't even know if this is true or not, but like it, allegedly, it's going to be very cold under the water, and so they actually have a, a fantastic HVAC system. Um, but maybe it's just the movies. I want to actually see a prop. Has there been like actual submarine footage of people, you know, who aren't going to war, or Russia is not going to violate any terms of a treaties, whatever it might be, of like just normal people hanging out, possibly not next to a map. Like a no, dump. because that would be boring. Nobody would want to watch that. I just want to see if people sweat on submarines. I have. Have you been on a submarine before? I have not. No, that's that's nothing. Not, well, not that. I... <laughs> well, yours truly here. I have. Oh um, wow! Next, next to the. It's not bragging point. It's you pay ten bucks or something and you get on. Next to the Intrepid in New York City, Midtown uh, West, you can actually go on the Intrepid, which is an aircraft carrier. Fantastic if you live in New York City or traveling to here um unbelievable to watch right next door right in the water is a submarine i didn't sweat went to the the all types of rooms and things of that nature claustrophobic yes but sweating i, I didn't sweat and this this is coming from a guy who sweats you're a prof- yeah you sweat profusely like it's kind of uncomfortable yeah. for me when yeah. you're sweating that much <laughs> i'm trying to sweat for the both of us because you're okay. not yeah. yeah, I don't sweat too much. So before, and do you, would you like to go first? But I, I do have one major question for you. Sure. Um, that w- I've thought about for many years and uh, I just will get into it. And and I was thinking about it because I, I had, and the theme is self-owns, if that makes sense. Like you are saying something and you're you're effectively, without your knowledge, you're self-owning yourself. So you're, you're making fun of yourself. To some extent, okay. but you don't know it. Not and in like a Rodney Dangerfield kind of way where you're you're no. purposely making fun of yourself. Yeah, that's very different. Dangerfield. Okay. Fantastic. Good reference. But I had had thought recently because uh, I have a cousin who had a, a major self own and said, you know, um, we're going to be meeting up. Probably going to watch this. Sorry. Uh, but he said, I, I don't eat sushi because it, it's just bait to catch fish. And to me, I just like, that's the biggest cell phone I've ever heard. Like it's a hot take. It's an interesting take to say the least. It's one in which I, um, 
I do, don't agree with because I think sushi is pretty much one of the greatest things on earth. And, I mean, I'll, just call me the bait because I'll, I'll I'll eat it all up. It's fine. I'll just yeah. So I'm segueing to the point of movies, generally speaking, and books. And so about many years ago, I checked your social media just to see if you actually had it up. Your quote was from college you had on Facebook for 10 years was basically, you don't read books, um, you just watch the movies. And I don't know if those it was in those exact terminology, but I've always thought that was a self-own. You're basically saying you're an uneducated twat. Um, and I just want to know, <laughs> you, you have removed it from your social media. Do you still believe that? So here's the the genesis of of that quote, and, and that, uh, is that a danger field? No, it's not. It's actually a Jim Gaffigan. Um, but uh, you know, I was heavily into movies. I still read books. I still read books. But I just you know, I, I like the Jim Gaffigan quote where he he uh, talks about people and says basically like you know those pretentious people that say oh I I uh, I haven't I haven't seen the movie. I've read the books. And they're always very pretentious about that. And he says, you know, well, you know what I liked about the movie? It was done in two hours. I could take a nap afterwards. Like that's kind of where the genesis of that, that came from. But you know, I, 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 I have read books before the movies and I appreciate it a little bit more. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it actually wasn't um, perpetuated by your idea that, you know, you don't read books. Okay. I read. Although, and that's why I bought and purchased the Bill Bryson book for you. Just so I was like, I wonder if he actually reads. Have you read any Tom Clancy novels? Ooh, segue. Uh, I actually haven't um, for many years. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember the last one I read. But it, it was so long ago, I don't even remember what it was. But I have seen the movie. See, <laughs> You've seen the movies, right? Yeah, you don't need to read the books then. You saved a lot of time. Look at I that. would highly suggest that, um, and boy, people are going to hurt me for this, but I, yeah, I don't, um, I don't have a desire to read the Tom Clancy books, although A Hunt for the Red October is his first, and is also the first where Jack Ryan shows up. It's true. I'm very interesting. But anyway, would you like to go first? Would I like to go first? What's the deal? What are we doing this week? Uh, I can go first this time. You went first last week, so we can kind of dive in. No pun intended. Oh, I am ready. <laughs> There was some diving. <laughs> yes. Maybe. All right. So uh, my movie was Crimson Tide, 1995 film directed by Tony Scott. Let's go with the tagline first, the tagline of this movie. In the face of the ultimate nuclear showdown, one man has absolute power and one man will do anything to stop him. So that's kind of the, the grip of what we get here. This face off of two acting titans and Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. I mean, you couldn't ask for two better uh, at their at their primes, at their times, the standoff of, of, of the clash of wills that we have. So this movie had a $53 million budget. It grossed 157.4. So it made some money. It was a hit. Uh, 89% Rotten Tomato score. So, uh, you know, a very upper echelon movie right there. Uh, the synopsis goes... On a U.S. nuclear missile sub, a young first officer stages a mutiny to prevent his trigger-happy captain from launching his nuclear uh, codes before confirming his orders to do so. This high-stakes battle of wills stemming from a difference in opinion on how best to command a nuclear submarine gives the audience something to think about. It's a genuine ethical quandary with valid points on both sides. If we wait, we may be too late to stop the enemy missiles. But if we proceed without confirmation, we risk World War III. 
what a, I mean, th- th- it was, so we can break this down, break this, this movie down. Uh, the first part we have Gene Hackman, right? He's, he's the old school uh, Naval officer. He is, uh, he's got to interview uh, a new uh, XO executive officer to uh, man his ship uh, to go down. And we, we get an interview with him and Denzel Washington. Now Denzel Washington is the, the highly touted, um, you know, kind of name on the top of the list to uh, be the XO. And they have this great little interview and you kind of hear these snide remarks kind of at the get go from uh, Gene Hackman's character where he's like, Oh, did some time at Harvard. Like he kind of snirks at that. Right. He, he looks kind of, he looks down on it because Gene Hackman's character, he's the only one that has been at war. He's been to battle. He's seen that, but Denzel's character, Hunt, Hunter, or is it Hunt? Yeah. It's he, Hunter. Uh, Hunter, yeah. You know he, why I know? Uh, because that was going to be the name of our son if we had one. Oh, okay. From this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> from, from my arm, Hunter S. Thompson. Got it, got it. All right, well, anyways. Um, Hunter S. Thompson was not born from my arm, just to be clear. You kind of already feel the friction in that first interview, right? Not not overtly, but you kind of see the 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 difference between the two generations and the the the, the experience between both. Um, but you know, he he hires them as the XO, and they uh, they get on the sub. There's a lot of things that happen. Um, I mean, this script this script is so tight; it's it, it's amazing how 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 yeah. they wrote that. And they use a lot of different writers on this script. Unbel Tarantino even. And who was yeah, he had to punch it up a little bit, add, add a little bit of comedy, add a little bit of pop cultural references to it, which was uh, which was fantastic. Speaking of punching, um, Hackman actually punched Denzel in the face during the, the shooting of this movie. Um, uh, is, it was it was uh, it was forceful too. Yeah, yeah, from what I hear. But nonetheless, I, I have to take a step back. What would you take on a sub? What would I take on a sub? Oh gosh, um, maybe a bunch of books to read, John. Maybe I just take a bunch of books. This is why I want to quit. This is this is exactly I'm done. Like episode three, we're done. Uh, anyway, Crimson Tide. There's a bloodbath about to happen, folks. Well, first, before the bloodbath happens, you get all these like little scenes that kind of add up. I mean, first we get more character development, just in the choices of, you know, uh, Gene Hackman has to take his Jack Russell Terrier everywhere with him. Yeah, I mean, this every- is this. Yeah. This is a character trait that, like you know, I, 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 I see in real life daily. I work in a restaurant, and people, you know, they they bring their dogs to a nice restaurant, and we can't really say anything because they say, "Oh, it's my my." Uh, they don't even say emotional support animal, but they, you know, they need the dog by their side, and we can't yes, really say hey, anything. Do you verify when somebody comes in like that, and you're like, "Nice Jack Russell, where's your paperwork?" Or you just we, like, we, we can't, we can't. I mean, the the only thing that you can really ask of the person is what does this animal, um, you know, uh, do for you? And they, you know, they can say Got emotional it. support. They can say anything, but we don't have to get any kind of verification of paperwork. Which I mean, it would be weird to see Gene Hackman come into my restaurant with a little Jack Russell Terrier, let alone take him on a sub. Um, Didn't Hackman but, just have a birthday? Isn't he ninety four? I don't know. I, I, can, I, I don't know either. I could be pulling this out of somewhere. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that 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 little character trait, it just kind of shows that he is um, he is above everybody else because he can he can kind of defy 
the norms of of what uh, what you should do and not do on a sub. He's like, he's gonna bring a dog, and the dog's gonna piss everywhere, and you know, <laughs> create a, create a mess. Uh, but anyways, the, these little tidbits kind of add to the characters of of each person. And then um, one of my one of my favorite favorite scenes in the film was uh, all of the kind of the, the the officers sitting around that that table, kind of talking about what what war is and what you know. Uh, it kind of definitely shows the difference of opinion. I'll play a clip here. It's a couple minutes. We'll listen to it. Good luck. You do qualify your remarks. Somebody asked me if we should have bombed Japan. A simple yes. By all means, sir. Drop that fucker. Twice. <laughs> I don't mean to suggest that you're indecisive, Mr. Hunter. Not at all. Just, um... Complicated. Of course... That's the way the Navy wants you. Me, they want it simple. Well, you certainly fooled them, sir. <laughs> Be careful there, Mr. Hunter. That's all I got to rely on, Bina. Simple-minded son of a bitch. Rick Over gave me my command. A checklist, a target, and a button to push. All I had to know is how to push it. They'd tell me when. They seem to want you to know why. I would hope they'd want us all to know why, sir. So good. At the Naval War College, it was metallurgy and nuclear reactors, not 19th century philosophy. <laughs> War is a continuation of politics by other means. Von Clausewitz. I think, uh, sir, that what he was actually trying to say was a little more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the purpose of war is, is to serve a political end, but the true nature of war is to serve itself. <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs> in other words, the sailor most likely to win the war is the one most willing to part company with the politicians and ignore everything except the destruction of the enemy. You'd agree with that? I'd agree that uh, that's what Clausewitz was trying to say. But you wouldn't agree with it? No, sir, I do not. <laughs> No, I, I just think that in the nuclear world, a true enemy can't be destroyed. Attention on deck. Von Clausewitz will now tell us exactly who the real enemy is. <laughs> Von? <laughs> in my humble opinion, in the nuclear world, the true enemy is war itself. And that Hans Zimmer score just kind of coming through right there at the end. Yeah. Amazing. But yeah, this scene kind of like, it's this is kind of my my waking life moment, kind of early early yeah. in the film, where you have these, 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 these two opposing people who are supposed to be working together, um, have completely different views on, on what the world is and what their role is. Gene Hackman, you know, it's kind of like if I tell you tell you to jump, you tell you say how high. You don't ask questions; you just do it. Whereas yeah. Denzel is a little bit more of a thinker, and he's kind of asking, you know, why are we doing? What's the purpose of this? Is this the ethical question? And this, you know, in the nuclear age, that's kind of that's a very big important question. Kind of world, you know, WW three is on the horizon here. I always like the movie itself, and I, I love sub movies and the suspense when. They have 
because there's constant dialogue in all sub movies basically of you know you're underwater of course you're gonna have dialogue and it's often at the bridge where they were here which is the same bridge by the way this is the uss alabama which is the same bridge that was used in the uss georgia on independence day in 96 it's the same setting same, uh, same setup may, huh it may it may look familiar but with that said i found um hackman's character and maybe i'm looking way deeper into this in in a in an insecure way because you have the harvard grad who is you know coming into the ship and so he's trying to put a stamp of being a man effectively in a variety of other ways but um uh, he always resorts, or often resorts, I should say, Hackman, to straw man arguments, and such as this, and talking about horses, or when they were <laughs> both wrong, ultimately, at the end. But, like, there's always this straw man argument with Hackman to try to, to phrase things, or frame things differently for him to be able to understand the argument in a way that Denzel is not presenting it. And this is, I think, one of those examples, and he always just tries to win in his, in his way. So that therefore he then can, I don't know, drop the bomb, if you will. Um, and I just felt like it was like very, if you've ever dealt with somebody who, who com- competes in debates with straw man arguments, it's very frustrating. Um, but if they're so situated on like, f- like finding a yes uh, and arguing in the way they want to, um, it's hard to debate that person. I have a friend who's uh, does this all the time and it's just, it's annoying, but nonetheless, Super suspenseful. And um, backing up even further, did you know Al Pacino was supposed to be playing the Hackman role? <laughs> I, I, I did. I did some research on kind of who uh, who they had as you know first, who they reached out to first on these. And yeah, Al Pacino was 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 yeah. one for for Ramsey. Um, and then and Brad Pitt wanted to Brad, play Hunter. Right. Right. And yeah. I, I, I don't think I could see Brad Pitt in that role. I, I mean, no. this this was the creme de la creme. I think they got it right on this casting. But yeah, Al Pacino would have been... Sure. What's that? What about, so Tommy Lee Jones uh, passed on it, actually. It was offered the role, and he passed. He would be right. But I think Hackman... Look, Hackman is probably a good person, generally. But he definitely comes off um, like an asshole. Like, I, I, mean, I actually... I think in real life, he... He's just one of those guys that doesn't take shit from anybody. I'm guessing. I have no idea. I have no. I have no history of this, but I'm speculating just on my own gut feeling of how he is as a human being. I but mean, he can play these roles. Played. He played Lex Luthor in Superman, and he was fantastic in that as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just. I mean, this one he's up. kind of. Yeah, a little messed up. up. He's, a, the- he's a little bit more of a curmudgeon set in his ways but you know he does have support around him as we will we'll find out uh later in the film an emotional support animal an emotional support animal so um next big thing that happens in this movie is there's a fire in the galley and um we see denzel washington become kind of the hero in this that situation you know going to put out the fire and in the midst of this hackman decides to do a do a test uh, a missile, you know, uh, emergency test. And this, this really surprises uh, Hunter. He's, you know, basically um, speaking in front of everybody of like, why would the captain order a test in this situation? Now, a- after everything happens, you know, that there, there's, they, they have to hold the test off because um, one of the cooks has a heart attack and dies. Um, 
you know, there, there's this, this opinion that, or Gene Hackman kind of explains to him, like, you know, the best time to run a test is in uh, a situation of panic because it, it puts everybody, you know, that's what it's going to be like when the real thing happens. And I can kind of see that argument. Right. Um, but Denzel doesn't, doesn't uh, agree with it and he doesn't agree with it in front of other people which really uh pisses him off so this is what he says just to understand each other i don't have any problems with questions or doubts as i said to you before i'm not seeking the company of kiss asses but when you got something to say to me you say to me in private are we clear as a bell i thought that was a great scene it just kind of summed up like don't don't step on my toes yeah you got something to say we can we can we can talk, hash it out in private, but you know, <laughs> the following scene, they didn't hash it out in private. They 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 took care of everything in front of everybody. Yeah, which at least another backup to this and stupid factoid, I guess. It's funny because Denzel actually uh, was on set with Tarantino, and Tarantino, I guess for whatever reason, was dropping racial slurs. I don't know if it was something he was just inputting into the script. I, I think I think what I read more was. Denzel confronted Tarantino about his prior scripts and prior movies and saying, why did you have to put the N-word in some, so many of your films? And that's and then, kind of where, where he was he was pissed off about. And they kind and, of had a fight. And then Tarantino was like, let's take it you know, behind closed doors. And Denzel's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he apologized he, later. But nonetheless. They, they, they settled it. Lots um, of confrontation here. But I, I, I do like the... You know, it does. It's unrelenting. This this pitting of characters against each other. It's it's from the get go until the very very end with discussing stallions. There's nothing that they're. I mean, not not to say nothing, but they're rarely in sync with each other. There's always a nuanced take that either w- one of them is having that the other is is not in complete agreement with, and and that's fine. That's negotiation at its its heart. But it, there's definitely an emotional. Roller coaster aspect with Hackman trying to exude his manliness, if if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'll play this clip here where this is the actual uh, mutiny, the first mutiny that takes place. Captain, I cannot concur. Repeat my command. Sir, we don't know what this message means. Our target package could have changed. You repeat this order or I'll find somebody who will. No, no, you won't, sir. You're relieved to your position. Cobb? Remove Mr. Hunter from the control room. Get Lieutenant Zimmerman here right now. No, sir. I do not concur, and I do not recognize your authority to relieve me under command under Navy regulations. Cobb, arrest this man and get him out of here. Under operating procedures governing the release of nuclear weapons, we cannot launch our missiles unless both you and I agree. Cobb, what are you waiting for? Sir, this is expressly why your command must be repeated. It requires my assent. I do not give it. And furthermore, you continue upon this course and insist upon this launch without confirming this message first. I will be chief of the boat. by the rules of precedence, As Captain Commanding Officer, regulations. I order you to place the XO under arrest on the charge of Navy regulations. I say again, I order you to place the XO under arrest on the charge of mutiny. Come, Captain. Please, the XO is right. We can't launch unless he concurs. To the USS Alabama. Rebel-controlled missiles being fueled. Launch codes compromised. Dissonance threatened launch at continental United States. Set DEFCON 2. Immediately launch 10 Trident missile sorties. They're fueling their missiles! We don't have time to fuck around! Sir, I think you need time to think this over. I don't have to think this over! 
Captain, I relieve you of your command of this ship. Cobb, escort the captain to his stateroom. I'm assuming command. You're not assuming anything. Chief of the boat, Captain Ramsey's under arrest. Lock him in his stateroom. Captain, please. Now, Cobb! Aye, sir. Mitchell, Walker, take the captain below. You're way out of your league, Hunter. You're not ready to make tough decisions yet. I mean that that scene was incredible. I could I could watch yeah. that again and again. I feel like this is the uh, kind of the inherent nature of social media now and the arguments that really take place from time to time. People just screaming at each other, shouting then, over each other, not listening. Just yeah. I mean, but the, the, this, the, these two performances, I mean, I just kind of have to point it out. Like Gene Hackman is all the way up here. He's like he's yelling, shouting, and then you have Denzel kind of going up and down, up and down. He's calm and quiet. Which kind of shows more authority than well, yell- yeah, than yelling over, uh, uh, you know, just at at Hunter. So it was it was I think just one of the most masterful masterful performances in the movie. And the fact that you know this film uh, came out in '95 and didn't get nominated for any any award acting awards, I mean, just shows you like what were they thinking? Yeah, um, and if you by the way, if you were to you know, Hackman taking it to 11. If you meet a psychopath in the streets, you don't, you don't match that energy. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta counter it. And you know, any relationship, basically, if somebody gets terribly angry, you're not going to get angry with them. Um, well, most people, most people do. And the fact that he could show restraint well, in that showed control and showed that he was in control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's um if you were to re- remove the two characters uh from the movie which is I guess saying a lot and of course um contingent upon various things but like you you take their performances away and you're just left with the boat more or less in a you know a bridge from Independence Day but they 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 have they ripped it. Uh, um I'm shocked that it wasn't nominated. And, yeah. and the supporting cast, I mean James Galafini, Viggo Mortensen, yeah, oh, Steve Zahn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just unbelievable I mean, cast. Great cast, great cast. I love the lighting on Vigo, uh, or the lighting in the whole movie, but especially on Vigo Mortensen. And like every scene early on, it was just this red light on his face, and it kind of foreshadowed like he's going to be the the key to that. He's the red button, if you will, in the movie yeah, that yeah, kind of hinges good. on on everything. That's really good. Really... Yeah, there's um, not to get into Hunt for the Red October, but there's there similarities in both scenes uh, or both movies, I should say in red being utilized um, for different purposes, of course, I mean, Russia uh, for hunt for the red October, but uh, that I found very similar, but I, you know, how many things can you do on a submarine? I guess you're going to probably <laughs> fiddle with lighting, fiddle with sound and, and see where you go from there. But yeah, their, their performances. I mean, that's kind of what sold the movie. The script was great. The performances was great. The yeah. the story kind of left you on the edge of your seat. I mean, this 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 movie kind of feels like it could be a stage play. Like you could just have this yeah, like, yeah. kind of take place and and have all the characters kind of because you're basically trapped in there with them. You, you see it all in one setting, which is which is really cool. It's a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but yeah, not exactly. selling things. Trying to to yeah, fantastic. So what um, happens? So basically he gets escorted to his room. Uh, they take control of, or Denzel takes command of the ship. Uh, the Russians uh, fire a few missiles. 
Um, Denzel evades them, uh, but there's a second mutiny that's going on basically after that. I, I mean, we get double mutiny in this, uh, in this movie, one by the books and one real mutiny. So they, they, a ragtag group uh, played by uh, uh, Geldofini. He's just, he's, he's so creepy in this movie. The way that he, he, he acts is, is fantastic, but they basically uh, get the get the captain get Captain Ramsey back back out, and they they stage a coup. They have like a little Mexican standoff, and uh, get the get the key you know the keys from Denzel, and they take back over the boat. Um, and the key to this was Vigo Mortensen. He had to open up the box, right? He had to uh, get get the the second pair of keys out, and he wasn't going to do it, right? What what happened was uh, you know. Gene, Gene Hackman was pointing a gun at his head and he still wasn't going to do it. But then Gene Hackman, captain of the boat, points it at just this unsuspecting sailor and says, all right, I'm going to blow his head off if you don't open it. So that's when he, he, he opens the, the That's safe. always the trick. You got you to gotta threaten somebody that's not, not involved. And, and then, of course, you know, if a person has any heart, it's the way to do it, right? It's the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the stakes were set. Like this whole, this whole last hour, basically, we were in real time with these people. Um, it's like an episode of 24 or something like that, where it's just like every minute is every minute on the boat. Um, and, uh, you know, the basic, the final scene comes down to, you know, them having to, uh, try and establish communication, get, getting that, that radio to work. Um, Ooh, suspenseful (laughs) though. Just waiting. You're like, what's going to happen? Is he going to put the button? Yeah. That, that was, um, drama like one-on-one. Yeah, a little punch up with Quentin Tarantino saying, you know, have you ever seen Star Trek? You know, we need warp speed right now. I mean, <laughs> I <didn't know> that. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. Everything like with the uh, the Silver Surfer lines and stuff like that, you know, Mobius is the real Silver Surfer. No, Kirby. That was all that was all Quentin Tarantino. Oh, I had uh, no idea. Pun- punching up the script. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. But yeah, they, they finally get the radio to work. They get the 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 second transmission that failed earlier, and they get the call that you know Denzel was right. Do not launch those nukes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the fallout of this. I mean, we see them back at Pearl Harbor, and they're kind of getting reprimanded for what happened, the mutiny, and everything like that. Because at the beginning of the film, we see that the 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 three most powerful people in uh, in the world are the U.S. president. Uh, yeah. The Russian president and the commander of a naval submarine, because they all have you know uh, the button for for the nukes. Now, the fallout of that is they they the power solely lo- you know is on the president now. But like, I feel like there should have been a little bit more more uh, more fallout for Gene Hackman's character. I mean, he pulled a gun on somebody, he punched him in the face. I mean, all of this was, you know, because he thinks he was trying to to save the world. But in retrospect, it's tough. But I love the movie. The movie was great. It's fantastic. And speaking of Pearl Harbor, I, I found this factoid of useless facts here. Um, very interesting because Tony Scott allegedly, I don't know if this is real or, or, or whatnot. I'm not in the know. And this is also from 95. So Tony Scott allegedly got footage of the USS Alabama. Um, Illegal from an illegal, I guess, uh, 
means. And somebody allegedly, again, tipped him off that the USS Alabama was going to be, I guess, uh, departing Pearl Harbor. And so he got advance notice, which is against Navy regulations, and uh, got some footage for the movie that way. And then secondarily, which is funny because Tony, uh, via Top Gun, thought he had an in with the Naval, the Naval uh, of the Navy of the U.S., and they're like, we want nothing to do with your movie um, at all, even remotely. And then I don't know if that's in, in relation to the footage or alleged footage. But um, I well, what that- happened? What, what happened? What I what I read was that the following Top Gun um, and, and the the massive uh, influx of people joining the military because they saw that movie and they wanted to be fighter pilots. Um, yeah. The Navy, the Navy did give kind of an open hand of, you know, showing them their submarines and ships and things like that. And um, the the producers and Tony Scott kind of lied about what was going to happen in the movie. They said it was going to be kind of like a hunt for Red October and a little bit of 2001 A Space Odyssey. But once yeah. the Navy found out that the script was about a mutiny, they said, uh-uh, we're out. Oh, really? <laughs> we're, we're not going to do this. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Because – yeah, basically, the Navy didn't want that kind of idea seeping in to the, you know, to the, I guess, that makes the military sense. at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the word to be used here, but that, that makes perfect sense. Um, I love the movie. I, I've, I own, I mean, I'm pretty much owning all these movies now, but I own Crimson Tide. I have seen it frequently. Um, I love it. I like the name of it. It's just, uh, it flows in the two characters just crush. I mean, they're, they're unbelievable and it's shocking especially if you compare, I don't know, choose any Oscars. I mean, imagine this, this film being released today. Right? Oh, people would lose their minds if a film like year. this was released yeah, today. Like we don't, we don't this, get. Imagine this is up for the Oscars this year. Yeah. Should we don't get movies like this anymore. I mean, this is an action movie that's dialogue heavy. That just, that just, like you said, rips. It just, they, it they, 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 they go yeah. for it. it. You don't, you don't, we don't have actors of this caliber coming out anymore. Like I, I you could, you see like Timothy Chalamet <laughs> doing a performance like this. Uh, maybe, no, uh, who knows? Maybe not a hackman but, role for sure. No disrespect to Wonka here, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that would be tough. Hack, I mean, Hackman is a one of a one of one. Um, you just have to get an angry person. Yeah. But anyway, it's fantastic film, and ten out of ten makes a very. Do you have any other further comments, Your Honor? <sighs> or, like I like I said earlier, the thing what I like about this this submarine movie is that we, the audience, are are trapped inside this sub almost in real time. Uh, there is no escape. There's no cutscenes to the outside world. We don't even see what's going on on the Russian sub. We don't get a breath of fresh air. We are in that smoke filled sub smelling dog piss and you know, the, the sweat of, I mean, it's what a hundred percent men. There's not one woman in this film except yeah. Denzel's wife at the beginning, but yeah, we're just, we're put in there. It's a claustrophobic environment. And I think that adds to what a submarine movie is that submarine movie viewing experience that it puts you in there and it doesn't give you any room to breathe. And that's what I love about this film. That's what, That's I, what I love about sub films. I mean, you, it's suspenseful inherently and everything from bridge shots to just dialogue there. I mean, I haven't seen a, a terrible submarine movie yet, although I have gone through the list of the top 10. Um, there are some that are worse than others, but they're all pretty suspenseful. 
but I think if you're you're threatening war or at war, it's going to be a suspenseful movie. And then adding into the fact that you're constantly having chain smokers around you cursing and, you know, getting up and down emotionally. Things are going to be a little, you know, on edge, if you will. And then you have somebody that has a button to be pressed that's going to explode the world. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a trying time, if you will. Yeah. And I feel like submarine submarine movies are are kind of adjacent to like space movies. Like they they're kind of one and the same. Like you know you're you're stuck on a ship. You can't go outside. It's it, you have you know different technology and things like that. It's just it, it's kind of cool that way. Big fan of those movies too, such as Passenger. yeah, me too. I uh, mm-hmm. huge fan of Passenger. Um, getting off topic, but I, I do like the movies where somebody is just left to their their lonesome, as well as you know being forced to be in a sub but or not forced i mean it's you know somebody signed up hey, they, they volunteer they sign up yeah yeah so good job suspenseful uh in the same vein we are dealing with a ship that's underwater called a submarine but my movie is hunt for the red october and to give you some facts here it's 135 minutes john uh mctiernan was the director john mctiernan i mean he was he was on a on a rip for his first few films in the 80s and and this 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 in particular is it's just a lovely concoction of you know post cold war i you know the physically post cold war ideas um or even during but pg it's funny I, we go through these the the is it pg the, really yeah it's it's pg i always felt like um it or killed a man in the first 10 minutes it's why yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a murder <laughs> you killed a man <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting how I don't know it, it quantifiably if things are quali- qualifiably if things are categorized different now uh, and rated different now, but it just seemed like it seems like all sub movies. If you're dealing with war, should probably be not for like eight year olds. But nonetheless, it's suspense. Got eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, thirty million dollar budget, two hundred million dollar box office. Pretty similar stats, I would say across the board. A little less on the Rotten Tomatoes side, but pretty much the same genre and uh, a very different movie though. With that said, Sean Connery is the main actor. He is playing uh, a Lithuanian captain to the ship. His name is Marco Ramius. Fantastic actor. Uh, but with that said, and I'm selling myself short and instantaneously. Um, and I think it's just funny enough and I have to address it because it's like <laughs> one of the biggest plot gaps is the fact that he speaks like six words of Russian. And they're, 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 they're awful. I mean, they have a heavy Scottish accent. It's the worst accent. Like, admittingly, Sean Connery has said not only from this movie, but every movie, he just doesn't do accents and basically goes into it with the director knowing that. And that's it was clear as day that, you know, I forgot that point that it was going to be like this uh, a Russian heavy accent. Um, and it was for six words in attempt. And then uh, that was it. And then it turned into to Scottish. But I gotta, I gotta say the the way that they transitioned from Russian to English in that scene with the the, the him reading the the Armageddon uh, part of the book and just zooming into the sixteen fifteen through seventeen. It was I, fantastic. It was a fantastic transition. If you, it, it, if you have it on audio, I would love to hear it. But I can, I don't I don't I don't have that on audio. But I can probably I add it in later. I will. I will do my best. And there are different versions of this. Uh, I actually didn't take verbatim what he was saying and mixed a little bit, which I probably just should have copied. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, 
lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a voice cried out from heaven saying, it is done. That shit when you're starting a movie with, and by the way, this is simultaneous to Putin being assassinated. So like, right. in, which to be honest, I've seen this many times and I didn't even know what was happening in that moment, but that is a wild way to start a movie. And one in which you, you think, uh, I don't know what can happen here. Maybe, uh, you know, because you haven't gotten into the character development yet. You haven't got into anything other than... You haven't got into motives. Yeah, there's nothing. So yeah. you're like, I don't know where this is going. Like, is there World War Three immediate? Like, if Putin's being assassinated, which we learn, like, very soon after that. Um, but you're literally starting with Revelation. Like, you're starting at the end. And, you know, you non-biblical uh, individuals, I... I had I guess we both have uh we grew up in the church but we um uh, we are not following the ways as they say now but that's a an in, a very intense and also I think an endearing to some extent because it's a very suspenseful way to start a start a flick uh and just as background um I love this film it's a fantastic film I think the idea of the red October just generally uh you know it's loosely based on a variety of different stories but it it is loosely based on a a ship captain that at takes a, a ship and um defects not to get ahead of ourselves but let's just yeah. let's simply say it's defects but it's the first character of of the first jack ryan movie which is yeah jack jack ryan is the first you know it's it's from a book from tom clancy hunt for the red october which is his first book he was like an insurance guy he never got into the military never uh because he 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 had some issue a variety of issues getting into the military because his eyesight and a few other things but debut fucking novel could you imagine that's, you're just like amazing. Checking out, got a job selling insurance or just shooting the breeze living life wanting to be a military character and then you just create military characters and this comes out he consulted yeah, this, a variety of military staff but like unbelievable first novel well, he was a, he was he was big into reading military books and military history yeah. uh, in his college years and childhood and things like that that's kind of what he was into and he wrote this book and somehow Ronald Reagan found it and read it and recommended it to the American people. Like, hey, this is a, this is a, this is a book that I've been reading. And soon after that, they're like, we got to make a movie. Yeah, which which changed everything for him. Um, but it, I mean, the start of it basically is very pro-Russia or so it feels uh, until, of course, Putin is assassinated. And then there's a transition of, you know, what, what's actually going to happen here? Um but just unbelievable um, throughout and throughout. But I, I now actually, what 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 makes the Red October special? What what is the 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 driving force of that? Well, that's a good point. I was going to get to. Uh, so it's completely not completely, but it's it's the quietest and, and most silent submarine ever created, as well as um, pretty much larger than any other sub and craft of of its nature. Um, for which, let's just call it undetectable. It's a caterpillar so, propulsion system. Notwithstanding yeah. the fact that, you know, if it has to run on energy that is a more of a manual process, such as fuel, for example, then there would be sound. But as it stands, it's a, it's effectively doesn't make any sound. And as you might imagine, the suspense of a sub not making any sound and being able to traverse the waters without anyone knowing that it's there is going to make for a very interesting movie. 
the uh, the tagline of this movie for the hunt for Red October was invisible, silent, stolen. The hunt is on. <laughs> and it, it. It, it's it's perfect. And you encapsulate basically the entire movie right there. So as you might imagine, Ramius, Sean Connery, he uh, he defects from Russia. And so he is stealing the submarine to uh, an anticipation of reaching America through whatever means necessary to hopefully spend his time and his days on the shores uh, of our fine country, as well as uh, some of the other crew who have been privy to the information that he has actually. Not everybody, though. Most most of the crew doesn't know, but the higher ups do. He surround he insulated himself. I have a question for you. I have a variety of questions for you. And is this the first? So, you know, all video games that are military based. I shouldn't say that because I don't even play many video games. But there is an an exceptional amount of, for example, Tom Clancy um, movies and Mm -hmm. spy thrillers such as Jason Bourne. When there is a presentation of a new scene, for example, or even a a character. or Let's say somebody goes from uh, Paris to, to Cairo. Like there is a typeface and a font that is very similarly used between spy movies. Is this the first creation of that idea where the that it's almost like a Morse code of the 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 font and the text on the screen while like suspenseful music is playing? I I I don't know if it is. I tried to look it up on Google, couldn't find anything, and I was like, I'm not spending the next 16 hours trying to figure this out. But I want, and I was like, I think it's the first time I, I've seen this uh, in this way. Of course, there's been lettering on screens and movies, but in a spy thriller, that that it makes you feel ghost of Russia. It makes you feel like it's it's you're 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 reading a military document that just got scanned in and faxed in, and you're privy you're privy to the information from your eyes only. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it, but I couldn't find the answer. But I, I um, to compare both films, I love nothing more than the quiet sense of I don't even want to call it lack of urgency, but the, just the the underwater scenes that you have where you're outside of the boat or where the camera is outside of the boat, which you know it's not actually underwater. Well, it's underwater in like a a stage, but those moments, man, I don't know many movies that are like nothing is happening other than a boat is moving underwater. Like, it's like, Holy fuck, this is suspenseful. It's like my, my heart's racing. You're like, what's going to happen? You know, it's, it's a pause in dialogue. It's really, it's a lovely twist. Uh, and these, the, I mean, submarines inherently they're, they're slow moving vessels. I I mean, they they take a long time to turn. Uh, you know, the, the torpedoes are fast and moving, I, but the I think it's that that suspensefulness and anticipation of like, will they make the turn in time? Is that going to happen? Yeah. Is, are they going to get blown to you know? Because there's no windows in a sub, you can't see what's going on. You're just relying on your equipment, science, and data, and that's it. And it, it, you know, watching uh, Sean Connery in that role as the captain, he just feels like he has complete and utter control. Like he's just he's directing an orchestra with like, he just knows every little movement of what's going on, even though he's blind to the whole situation. But he, he, he is a maestro for sure. He's a maestro. Yeah. He is politically trying to, you know, there's six or seven people that are on his side and understand the, the magnitude of what's actually happening. For example, um, 
the, everyone basically wants to get to America. Uh, there are a few people that that realize that at the very last moment, he actually informed Russia of what he's actually doing before he left, which creates a bit of a shitstorm, and everyone is not necessarily in agreement with him anymore. But the ship uh, at large pretty much doesn't understand what's actually happening. But the well, shots I want to segue into, and I, I have a – you can barely see it, but Tarkovsky and like Stalker – which is the the movie poster here. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that I felt were Tarkovsky-esque. And I, I think in particular, The Sacrifice, um, his 1986 film, it, it reminded me of that in a very different way. There's a, a, a house burning scene that is just one shot, which is very Tarkovsky, um, of just one scene where basically you have uh, just suspenseful things happening, people moving, uh, not a lot of sound, and just a crackling of the house burning. Um, and that it reminded me of these simple scenes. There was, I guess, less happening. It's just a sub in the water, but it was just a very suspenseful and kind of an emotional tide um, to watching, you know, a film on screen. Um, I don't, I don't know why that is. Why do you think? Is it because we just fish? Like, why is it so sus- suspenseful? Well, I think it's. I- I mean, it's these 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 images, these slow images that are kind of just burned in your brain like that. And, and I, I feel like with regards to, you know, the suspense in a sub movie is, you know, at any minute, if that torpedo hits, there, there there's no there's no parachute that you could just jump out of. There's no rescue or anything like that. You're just a duck sitting in water. And that's kind of where that suspense comes from. That's that's right. I, I would agree. Um, my thought was. Imagine yourself in water, like you. Like we don't move well in water, so it's just like we're relying entirely on the ship. And as, as you're saying, the uh, you know everything that's involved with it, the radar and, and things of that nature. And if that goes wrong, then you're you're fucked, basically. Yeah. So well. Yeah. 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 But to get to the actual plot of the story, um, in effect and in short, they steal a ship. Um, they're going to America. They're looking for asylum, and they're they're looking for some help. But along the way, would you like uh, to play something, Mister? Well, yeah, I do. And it kind of developing into into this, like you know, Sean Connery. He has his loyal cohort of of people that know what's happening. But to the rest of the seamen, the sailors in the ship, he 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 puts on a great act, and I'll, I'll play kind of a a clip of of him kind of rousing them up. Doors opening, Captain. Comrades, our own fleet doesn't know our full potential. They will do everything possible to test us, but they will only test their own embarrassment. We will leave our fleet behind. We will pass through the American patrols, pass their sonar nets, and lay off their largest city and listen to their rock and roll while we conduct missile drills. And when we are finished, the only sound they will hear is our laughter. While we sail to Havana, where the sun is warm, so is the comradeship. Cryogenic plant coming online, Captain. A great day, comrades. We sail into history. Caterpillar engaging. It's a fantastic, like my favorite part of the entire movie is that. And they continue singing while they're underwater. 
And simultaneously, and the singing goes on for like a full two minutes, and it's just unbelievable. And simultaneously, while this is happening, there's an, there's another sub that is effectively right next door with a man named Seaman Jones, Seaman Jones, who finds a needle in the haystack, if you will. And literally, I love that character. He was so yeah, great. The audiologist who's tasked with uh, sonar. And he... Uh, quizzically is thinking did i hear singing and so he actually looks into it thinking uh, you know on, on this hunch that uh something is a little off as they're hunting for the red october um and he replays a a some sounds that at the same moment that he thought he heard the singing and it turns out there was this repetition that he speeds up 10 times and it sounded like a man-made object um and so at that point, the hunt for the Red October really, really starts. But it was the singing, funnily enough, that actually t- turns uh, Seaman Jones and I guess the ship, America's ship, America's sub, I can't remember the name of it, but to actually being able to, to Dallas, Dallas, got it, to locate uh, very quickly and directly um, where they were going, um, even if they couldn't actually see them or, or hear them. Uh, well, I guess they could hear them, but they couldn't see them. Um, yeah. But I, I have to I have to take a step back. The the directing of these moments um in comparison to crimson tide i actually enjoy the directing of this this film more because of as you were talking about the lighting the lighting underwater and in, in a submarine especially at the end where the americans and the russians are seeing each other for the first time which is funnily enough that the russians start speaking russian again when they around <laughs> the americans but they're speaking english when they're not funny uh, but the moment they're staring at each other in the face and the, the lights are blinking and just there's no no nothing being said and it's just constant blinking. And I was like, this is so much drama. And I was like, I just it's it's a I don't know. Sub movies like really do it for me. So anyway, Seaman Jones, he finds the singing and the the search and the hunt for the Red October just uh, begins to be almost very Tarantino-esque, uh, the directing uh, in my view. Um, I'm glad you actually uh, played that clip. I wanted you to play it. The Soviet national anthem is uh, is really what tips Seaman Jones off. Um, and also the the lamps. There's a scene in, in a hallway scene at the very end where um, Alec uh, Alec Jones, who plays Jack Ryan, Alex Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> That's who am I talking about? He um, who plays Jack Ryan, the first uh, to play Jack Ryan ever. But he uh, he's walking down the hallway. And I just thought this is this is kind of like the hallway of uh, The Shining. So there, there was a lot of um, there was a lot was of really th- cool shots. This movie, I mean, John McTiernan, he just came off directing Die Hard, um, and he gets this movie. Best Christmas. And, <laughs> and he uh, he 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 plays in a way. That, I mean, this is a techno thriller, right? This is uh, this is a movie that also <laughs> has a almost kind of like a a horror film to it in a sense yeah. that again, you're in a sub and the claustrophobia of it uh, kind of lends it, it lends that to itself. Um, and you, like you said, the, the lighting, the flashing lights and everything like that, it just adds to the suspense adds to the almost uh, the frightening nature of what is going to happen. Um, you know, the, the scenes when, and we can kind of get into it, but the scenes when, you know, there is a, a a torpedo getting fired by them from the other Russian ship, and you know the Americans yeah. and the Russians are uh, trying to work together to to thwart this uh, this last attack. Was 
one of the most suspenseful things you'll ever see in film. While they're going through canyons and, you know, the U.S. at this moment, Jack Ryan, by the way, is uh, somehow made his way onto the ship because he has been dropped off in freezing cold water that he could spend four minutes in with, uh, before dying. And he literally, the helicopter that's bringing him to the ship is uh, going to turn around because it's lacking in gas. And he's like, now, let me up. let me remind everybody that's listening if they haven't seen this film or not very familiar with it. But Jack Ryan, he is a character that is not um, not a warrior, not battle ready. What his superpower is his intellect, right? He's an he's analyst. An, he's an knows. analyst. Come on. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying for people that don't know. But this is coming in, you know, right off the right off the decade of the '80s, where you have these these movies about you know these big, big bulking. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type, Sylvester Stallone uh, heroes, and then now you hear, now you have Jack Ryan, uh, who is kind of the everyman, but very smart. And I thought that was a, that was a cool, cool character. Yeah, he reminds me a lot about you, um, just without the intellect. You. you oh right, that. right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No, um. no. No. No muscles, but <laughs> I find myself in sticky situations. Hey, yeah, underwater in subs when you're sweating, obviously. <laughs> so one quote I actually, I wish I had uh, the audio, audio for this, but he was talking about Cortez uh, and, you know, the, the, uh, when he got to the shores of America and basically Cortez burned his ships uh, when he hit land to motivate his men. <laughs> I thought that line <laughs> was so good, but like imagine in both situations, if you're like, yep, uh, we're defecting, just got to deal with it. It's that is one way to motivate, as well as if you even worse, you you get to a new land, and your your captain just burns your ships, and there's this is it. That would you're be you're getting rid of the plan B. You're getting rid of the failsafe. You're getting sure, rid, like, but that's I'm that's the reason for it. I understand that the 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 notion to do such a thing, but it's it's pretty wildly uh, it's it's interesting. So anyway, there's some some radiation, uh, some mishaps, if you will, uh, internally as the crew starts to realize what's actually happening. Um, they are, you know, trying to prevent the, the Red October from getting to American uh, soil, if you will, or water. And so, uh, and, and again, the sonar that just keeps being repeated in the sound, which uh, I believe this was up for best sound editing. In I, 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 I imagine it was, yeah. I, I, I would... I love, and then we talked about it last week, uh, just of the movies from the seventies, the, the mishaps of sound, but I love, I do love when, when sound is perfect, um, and everything is matching, but not necessarily too perfect. And I think this is one of those movies where it's, um, it's perfect in the sense of like, there are some abnormalities, but, uh, it should have been nominated. Um, and as, it, as I agree, it but yeah, Jack boards, uh, on the dumbest thing I've ever seen in this movie, uh, and maybe any movie, he jumps into icy cold water as an analyst. Somehow he gets the, the, Off the helicopter wherewithal to be like, I've calculated the risks. Now I'm going to jump into a submarine and I have to swim to it. Makes his way there, gets with Sean Connery and the group. They get together. But and then, The funny thing know. is they, they, they put him in charge of the, uh, the navigation system. Basically, he's like, I've never worked these no buttons way. before. Yeah, <laughs> what but are you putting me like, here for? It's still Ramius who's actually doing the work there. Um, yeah, and you go into the backstory eventually, and and you know, kind of cutting this short, but ultimately, um, Captain Borodin is desirous of of spending his time between Arizona and Montana, 
he ultimately gets shot. He, uh, he passes away. And one, um, uh, <laughs> one thing I thought was one of the, the funniest parts of the film, and I don't know if you have the audio for it, but it's, uh, two Oh one fifty six. It's the last audio clip. Do you have that possibly? I, can, I have I the, can. I have the, uh, this one right here. This is kind of right, right before, uh, the, the cook shoots every, uh, shoots, uh, Sam Neill's character. Yeah. Um, let's do that. Yeah, let's listen to this. This is this is the torpedo coming uh, coming straight ahead. Twenty seconds yeah. left. Here we go. Torpedo bearing steady at three one five. Best range nine hundred yards. Torpedo impact. Twenty seconds. What books? Pardon me. What books did you write? I wrote a biography on Admiral Halsey called "The Fighting Sailor." About uh, naval combat tactics. I know this book. Torpedo impact. Your conclusions were all wrong, Brian. Ten seconds. Halsey acted stupidly. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Torpedo impact. drama just so much drama so much drama great writing in that situation too um you know i i i didn't know a lot about uh submarines or torpedoes uh going to this movie i didn't know that there was a you know uh, a torpedo had a had to arm itself in an amount of time so you know i thought they were just turning into a torpedo about to get hit yeah so you know about torpedoes now that's i know that you can close the distance if you have enough uh you got to have a lot of gumption here to turn that turn that sub and uh, right into the pathway of a missile, and you know just hope for the best. If I had to guess, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb, very very long limb here, and say that I, I think the accuracy of of subs turning underwater in these movies are probably not perfect. What do you think? Uh, it's debatable because you've never well you have been on a sub, but not at wartime. Not at war. You didn't ask Uh, follow-up questions to my being on a sub. Maybe I uh, left from there and we were traveling uh, to Iceland. Who knows? I I think the best part of it. Define war. I mean, maybe I was at war with myself. What do you think? Maybe. Yeah. Was was there any torpedoes hurling at you? Uh, There were torpedoes on board, I think. But so ultimately, Jack gets on board. He tries to resolve things as best as he can and, and more or less does. Um, and the drama that unfolds, and I really think that, you know, I know that we've spoiled pretty much everything up until now, but, um, things work out for the best. I think for most people outside of, you know, the people that have been murdered, uh, what, what I liked, what I liked about this movie, why does Jack smoke at the end? That's a good question. So throughout the whole movie, uh, I think he's been offered cigarettes three or four times. And he said, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. I don't smoke. Right. And you get this scene where the, they just Russians in the, 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 yeah, you get the scene where the, the Americans and the Russians are on the red October together. Uh, The whole, uh, all the other, the other crewmen have uh, sailed off to, to rescue because they thought that the, 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 the ship was in kind of nuclear meltdown with radiation. And, 
the, you, you, you see the, the Russian officers kind of with their at ease, with their, their hats and their, uh, by their side, kind of wel- welcoming the Americans, but nothing is said. And, you know, how do you break the ice? And so Jack Ryan says, hey, can I have one of those cigarettes? Yeah. You're kind of caught off guard. Like, why is he asking for a cigarette right now? And he smokes it's been it. Repeated. Right. He smokes it. Yeah. And he just starts coughing. And that I think that breaks the ice between the two sides that have been at war. And, you know, they're they're kind of finding a common uh, thing to laugh at. Right. And that that kind of binds them together right then and there. I love that scene. I thought that was great. Yeah, Jack was turning green. That's one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie, actually, because uh, the I love the blinking lights. I love the fact that the Russians are now speaking Russian again, and everyone's just staring at each other like, well, this is interesting. And and I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, I don't know if you have any more audio clips to play, but the one I did actually want, and I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think, I thought it was so funny. Um, and I have it here. It's 2.156. But when... Uh, Borodin actually gets uh, killed and shot by a gun and randomly. Uh, Jack is actually making some funny comments like here and there. He's like, well, I guess uh, I guess you can shoot on a submarine. I guess that's more of a Sean Connery accent. But he is going to save the day. The analyst, Jack Ryan. And in doing so, Sean Connery, who is also shot sitting on the ground in the hallway scene where there's big pillars, big red pillars with numbers on them. Um, red again, red October. But his his words, he goes, uh, Jack, Jack. Just I have say. it. I have I have it. I can play it right here for you, and we don't have to listen to your impression. Hey, buddy, be careful what you shoot at. Huh? Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Right. This is the very end of the movie, the climax of the movie, where he basically Jack Ryan is going to save. The day, save America, save Ru- like everything is going to be saved. Things are going to be fantastic. You think, and like that's the line that's going to end it all, end all, be all of you know Jack taking up arms inside of a submarine, and, and Sean Connery is telling you that things things in here don't react too well to bullets. <laughs> you think? I, th- I thought it just talking about breaking ice and Jack smoking. I thought that was hilariously amazing, but perfect. Oh, and then later you see him kind of crawling through the ducks and he does a great Sean Connery impression uh, <laughs> of saying the exact same thing. I thought that was fantastic as well. I, I do like it. He did repeat himself when he was by himself uh, talking. Um, one one thing I, that I, I, I took away from this movie, what I, what I really liked was how the movie kind of played out as this, like this long con. Like there was like this Connery had this, this plan and all he had to do was get the right American to kind of, help assist with the plan but it was a yeah. long con he was conning his sailors he, he had to fake the 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 nuclear meltdown on the sub to get everybody off it was just it was it was like the sting i don't know if you've ever seen the movie the sting with paul newman and robert redford have, but yeah. it, it had that kind of exactly. that kind of feel to it as well which was which was fantastic paul newman was an attractive man back in the day also paul I blew it. oh yeah he's very much enjoy his uh olive oil and vinegar dressing, which I have very, very frequently. Well, I guess it's not his anymore. Newman's own, but nonetheless. Yeah. So, folks, what are we going to do here? There has to be a winner. Now, I so, think about it like I think about it like this. All right. This is a submarine showdown. Let's take the crew 
of the USS Alabama. Yep. First, the the final crew that was on the US uh, or the, on the Red October, and yep. pit them against each other in a battle of wits and a battle of wars. Who would come out as the victor? Why would that be a defining uh, characteristic of us deciding whether uh, one of these movies is better than the next? Oh, I'm just doing it as a fun kind of like uh, hypothesis okay. of of what that what the answer would be. I think Gene Hackman and, and Hunter. Well, I should say. The Crimson Tide, there's only two characters there. They're just busy talking each other's ears off. So definitely Connery's whooping ass. That is for sure, for certain. And Jack Ryan okay. with brains of... Yeah, absolutely. Jack Ryan mixed mixed intelligence with Sean Connery's boldness without being egregiously bold like Hackman is throughout the entirety of Crimson Tide. He's irrational. He's like moving on emotion and, and lack of instinct, if you will. His prefrontal cortex. He's acting like a like a sixteen year old. The entire movie. He they would never be able to shoot down. a torpedo. They wouldn't. They wouldn't agree on it. They would just keep no. going back and forth. No. So if if there was a fight, then Connery's fucking everyone up. What are you talking about? Stupid, <laughs> stupid question. But as far as movies go, I have to I have to lay it out like this. Kind of what I ended with was uh, as a as a moviegoer, think about being in that 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 big screen seeing it for the first time with a bunch of people yeah, and, and feeling like you're part of the crew, feeling that you're just witness, you're a fly on the wall in that submarine. And yeah. it just puts you in that situation. That's why I feel like this is the best submarine movie that's ever come out. The, the acting performances, what? the Crimson Tide. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the acting performances, the immersion of of being on the sub, the the stakes that are 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 put forth with, you know, inciting a, a World War Three. Where I mean, Red October, you kind of have yes, there is that threat, but they're more so trying to either blow up the Red October or he's trying to defect. They were never going to launch the nuclear missiles to start World War Three, and we as so a viewer want, knew that. You just want war. You want all the war, basically. No, I want the threat of all the war but the resolution that it didn't happen because that's when the threat is the biggest. And that's what makes Crimson Tide a better movie. Just the threat of war. Uh, I mean, the stakes were higher for sure, but I just felt like for my money. Yeah. I would, I would watch Crimson Tide again and again. Whereas red October, like I watch it once. I get it. It's fun. It's a great movie, but I just, I feel like there's more meat to the bone on, on Crimson Tide. I think Crimson Tide to me is kind of outlandish and it really relies on two characters. Um, and without those two characters, you, the movie is, is shit, to be fair. Um, but the two characters make it such that it is. Uh, and it's a fantastic movie. With that said, I find hilarious, as I, and I started from the very beginning, that the, the, I mean, there's always plot holes in movies, but like the lack of Russian accent um, for Connery is just hysterical. Uh, and the, the intermingling of... Um, of languages when they the different parties see each other was funny to me as well does you t- does of, that take you out of the movie does it take no, you out it didn't take me out because i mean i could um i have half my brain cells right now so i'm i'm good um okay but with that said, sub movies generally i don't know it's hard to compare i think the acting performances are definitely better on crimson tide i actually think and i like the storyline much much better uh, for Hunt for the Red October. I like the idea of people going to greener pastures and, and defecting 
to some extent, uh, whether that's actually defecting from your country, but like trying something new and standing up for what you think is actually right, just as Hunter did in Crimson Tide. This is a guy who's done it for an entire submarine, whereas the following of orders is really just the, you know, the pedantic notion of argument and straw man arguments that that Hackman takes, which I think no rational human being would. And I think it comes across well to you um, and to me as well. But it's really if you break down the parts of Hackman's role and Hackman's who he's trying to be, I think it's the most silly, pedantic straw man argument character maybe ever. Um, and I'm saying he is a great actor in, in, in his role, but it's so ridiculous in my view that it's just like you have to have Denzel, who's a, also a fantastic actor, talk him off a ledge every like why do we have to debate every single fucking point in these goddamn stallions which they both got wrong they're actually from slovenia they're not from portugal or spain but like i just don't um they're good actors i think the dialogue could have been better in my view honestly i think that the transitions that hunt for the red october had there's different character developments such as seaman jones the audiologist who's actually adding flavor to this in the singing that actually existed at the very beginning. So everything ties in to what I think is a better packaged movie. Whereas Crimson Tide, here's World War Three. Of course, everyone's going to like it because everyone likes war movies and World War Three, just as you do or the threat of war. But to me, it's simple. It's a simple thing. And you're, you're relying on two characters or two, two actors. And without those two actors, the movie is shit, I think. Honestly, I don't think it's... I, I love Crimson Tide, but I do think inherently that hunt for the red october is better and I yeah and I, I see i see where you're going with this but for for me yeah, the story the storyline for hunt for red october was 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 fantastic it's great but for i i never sean connery's you know urge to defect because his wife was killed the year before this all happened and he spent all of his time at sea and he basically you know didn't get a, a good life in Russia. Like, I don't feel sorry for the guy. I don't really relate oh, to the guy. Putin just got assassinated. You have to understand Putin just got assassinated, like killed. So their, their guy is gone and he's doing so because he d didn't feel that he connects with his country anymore as well as Putin. Like there, there's underlying motives besides just the right. Right. I understand the political and the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the like, idea. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. And he, his, his long, Love of his life was keeping him alive. And now, in effect, he's he's kind of passing away to, to some extent. And the only way to do so uh, in Russia is, is to aggressively uh, man us up or, or defect. And that, that's what he's chosen. And I, I don't know. I think it's it's a love letter to life. He wants to continue living in a, in a way that he actually wants, opposed to the way that he's dictated upon. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like with Crimson Tide, I, I really enjoy the 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 notion of what the old school mindset versus the new school mindset and them coming together and then butting heads and it just making, yes, there's that conflict, but like it, it leaves you with so many questions leaving the theater. Right. No, it's good. It's good for a movie for sure. Um, it's not real life, but it's good for a movie. Definitely. Um, I actually looked up like how many, how often people are like in disagreement in these situations. Um, and it's like, it's, it's not, not often. Um, not to say that this, you know, I don't even want to be the person that's like going into pedantic level of like, these things have to be accurate in movies. I wouldn't, I mean, I fucking love Harry Potter. <laughs> like there's like, you know, doing magic with wands. Like, um, 
I can disbelieve uh, things. But anyway, I still think Hunt for the Red October is better. Um, but if you catch me, I, I think with all sub movies for me, if you catch me on a particular day, um, I could say Crimson Tide is better and probably argue the same point. I could also say that Black Sea is also better. Um, das Boot, I don't know if you've seen that in this whole process. No, I haven't seen it. I should. I should watch it. Which is the number one? The number one, allegedly. The number one. Yeah. Submarine movie of all time. And maybe it was in the 50s, but it's tough. It's a tough watch. So, yeah. I, I, like I said, we're, we're splitting hairs with these two movies. They are they're both fantastic. They're great. They're great. Like I said, for my money, if I was at a movie theater and there was only two films showing and it was Crimson Tide or Hunt for Red October, I would put my money down for a ticket for Crimson Tide because that's what I want to see more. Yeah. You want to see um, a plate full of dialogue given to you without processing anything. And you want, you know, small, small pedantic dialogue that doesn't really resolve itself or get more intelligent as the movie goes on. I get it. I understand. I, I, I disagree with you there. I think, I think the levels keep rising and rising and the, the, the script is one of the best written. I mean, the opening scene with him at a birthday party with Vigo Mortensen just yeah. shows how close those two people are. And when yeah. Vigo has to basically turn against him, it, it just, it breaks your heart, but you know, it's going to come back and Vigo's going to, going to, you know, help out later down the line. I mean, like all these little things that just add up through yeah. the course of the movie. Uh, there's so many little touches. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Well, folks, that is it. Episode three is a wrap. I don't know who won. Nobody won. It's a we, can put, we can put a poll out on Twitter and have people vote. <laughs> How about that? I mean, we have such a small Twitter following as of now. I'm basically going to create many bot accounts to, to win. And uh, we don't want to do this. Uh, we'll do this gotcha. if we ever get more than 100 people. Um, but yeah, let the, let the people entertain what is, what is best. But anyway, Fantastic. that's it. I have to jump my friends it was great catch us on all of our social scene weekly till next week